Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on October 19, 2014, 10.30 a.m. Today's message is Your Parents, Your Soul, and Living the Good Life by Pastor Isaac Whiteman. Based on a scripture reading, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 12. Would you pray with me as we turn to God's word? Father, we come to you humbly at this point. As we look into the Bible, your word, we ask that it would live in us. We ask that we would become the kind of people who hear it and do it. We ask that you would make us more like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, let me give you an idea of where we're going today. There'll be sort of three parts. First, we'll talk a little bit about about why we're here on Sunday morning. And then we'll do a little bit of a recap, uh, review of the first five commandments, because now we're up to the halfway mark. Today I'll mark the fifth commandment in our series on the Ten Commandments. And then we'll be talking about the fifth commandment, honoring your parents and why that is important for us. So first, a little bit about why we're here this morning on Sunday. Today I'm doing something a little bit unusual in that this commandment, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, uh, the fifth commandment, honor your parents, is a commandment that I actually preached on five months ago. And so in a large part, a number of the points today will be repeating a sermon that you've already heard. That is, if you were here on Mother's Day earlier in the year. Now, why in the world would we want to repeat a sermon? We've been doing the Ten Commandments in here for a little while, and I've also been doing the Ten Commandments in the youth group and in Sunday school also with the youth, and I've had the question a number of times, Why are we doing the Ten Commandments over and over again? Don't I already know what they say? And I'd like to say this morning that what we're doing here, when we come together in any kind of Bible study or in our Sunday service, what we're doing is not about primarily new information. It is about deeper transformation. It's not mostly about new information. Most of you who have been Christians for a long time have tons of information about God and about the Bible. The need is not primarily new information, but deeper transformation. There's a story that gets told, I think it's probably made up, but it's an illustration that pastors sometimes use, that there was a new pastor, and he started at a new church, And he preached a sermon, and everybody thought it was a wonderful sermon. Have you heard this illustration before? Everybody thought it was a wonderful sermon. They were shaking his hand. Congratulations, Pastor. You you knocked that one out of the ballpark. It was wonderful. We're coming back next Sunday. And so the next Sunday, he gets up, and he preaches the exact same sermon. And everybody says, okay, that's kind of strange, but whatever. All right, we'll come back the next Sunday. And the next Sunday, he does it again. He preaches the exact same sermon. And at this point, the elders of the church go to him, and they, they're going to have a conversation. Okay, you need to, need to move on from this sermon. And he says, you know what? I'll move on from the sermon 
when it becomes clear that everyone in the congregation is living that message that we preached. Yes, they all know it in their heads, but when they're living it, then we'll move on to the next one. Sunday morning is not an academic exercise. It's not a test. We have this kind of mentality in our culture because many of us grew up taking tests. Um, How many of you like taking tests or liked it when you were in school? Oh, come on. There's got to be more than just me. I love taking tests because I was really good at it. it. It almost didn't matter. I don't know why, but it almost didn't matter if I had studied or if I really knew the material. For some reason, I could get into a test and I could just guess which answers they were looking for, and I could get an A with um, almost without doing anything, without really even knowing the material. And so I didn't work all that hard in school. But the problem with that is, is that we are trained in our culture to learn information so that we can spit it back out on a test. We're trained primarily to learn information so that we can spit it back out on a test. And that doesn't work for real life. Experience and actually knowing how to use the information is what you need for real life. So for me, since I was so good at taking tests, I would decide that I was going to do something. Like when I was in high school, I decided I was going to learn how to work on cars. And so I read tons of books on how to work on cars. But when I actually got out there to work on a car, I made so many mistakes because no one had shown me how to do it. I hadn't actually worked on a car yet, and so I'm busting my knuckles and all kinds of things because I didn't know, I didn't have any experience of how to do it. So why, then, would we repeat a sermon? C.S. Lewis says somewhere that you haven't read a book You haven't really read a book until you've read it five times. You haven't really read a book until you've read it five times. Dallas Willard makes the point. He says this. uh, He's talking about people reading the Bible through in a year. I'm sure many of you have done that, gotten on a plan where you read the whole Bible through in a year. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But Dallas Willard says, what would be better for you? To have the entire Bible pass before your eyes and your mind very quickly over the course of a year and vaguely remember some of it, or to have just one verse or just a couple of verses worked down into the fabric of your life. And I think you can see that the answer is quite obvious. If you really worked into the fabric of your life, for example, The Lord is my shepherd. I will never be in want. You would have joy and peace. Your life would be transformed by that becoming part of who you are. Whereas even if you had memorized the whole book of Psalms but not worked those into your life, it would do you no good. And so what are we doing on Sunday mornings? The whole point of getting together like this and the whole purpose of your life in this world is to grow in Christ and become more like him. That will not happen if you simply sit here and listen to the sermon or all the other great things that go on on Sunday and do nothing with them in the rest of your life. 
it just won't happen. The sermons will do you no good. And I'm afraid that many Christians are in the habit of simply listening to a sermon and thinking, great, I did what I was supposed to do. Check and not actually putting it into practice in their lives. If we do not, we will not become more like Jesus. We will fail to be what God has called us to be. Next, let's move on and talk a little bit about the Ten Commandments as a whole. We've now gotten to the place where we have, we'll be through five commandments, so halfway through the Ten Commandments. And at this stage, I'd like to remind us of what the Ten Commandments are. What they are not, let me first say, is just a bunch of rules. They are not a bunch of arbitrary rules that God put in place, and he will be very angry with you if you don't do whatever the rule says. That's not what they are. Now, what are they? Remember the gospel the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is that God is perfectly good. He loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. And in the person of Jesus, he has opened a way for you to enter a new life. Jesus came to the earth and he died for your sins, so now you can be forgiven and enter into a life with God. God's power is right here with us, ready for the taking. Any of you today, because of Jesus, can access God's power by faith. And what is that power for? It's to make you like Jesus. He came here and became like us so that we have the possibility of becoming like him, becoming like him on the inside. And so the Ten Commandments, like many parts of the Bible, are not just a bunch of rules. They're not things that we can do so that we'll be okay with God, so God will like us better. God already likes you. He loves you. What they are are the pathway. They're the way to move toward God now that he has brought us into this new life with Jesus. They are the way. What do we do now? Many have asked. Now that I'm a Christian, now that Jesus has saved me, what do I do now? This is what you do. You become the kind of person who does these Ten Commandments like they were second nature. You become the kind of person who knows that this is the good life right here in Exodus chapter 20. So let's move through uh, by way of review these Ten Commandments. I'd like you to get out your bulletin, and you've got a sheet in there with some notes and some discussion questions. And what we're going to do now is we're going to take five minutes and uh, keep your Bibles closed. And what I want you to do is write down the Ten Commandments from memory. This is a test. And see if you can remember all of them in order. No, I'm just kidding. Don't actually do that. <laughs> Sunday morning is not a test. It's not a test. It wouldn't actually matter if you could recite the Ten Commandments word for word. It only matters if you work them into your life and who you are. It's not a test. These commandments, commandments are the path toward holiness. So let me ask you, we've heard these sermons. Have you done anything with them? The first one that we talked about, the first commandment, you will have no other God besides the Lord your God. 
He will be the only one who is the center of your life, the source of who you are, the foundation of your life. What progress have you made? Don't answer. What progress have you made? What steps have you taken so that the Holy Spirit can more and more make that a reality in your life? It doesn't matter where you're at in your faith. This whole life is growth and moving closer to Christ. What steps have you taken to make that more and more a reality in your life? You will have no idols, the second commandment. You will worship nothing other than the Lord your God, nothing visible. What steps have you taken? Have you examined your life to see if there are things that your heart is caught up in that are other than God? Do you worship things that are visible? What is your view of the truly good life? Is it the same as the view Jesus had of what makes a truly good life? Not misusing the name of the Lord your God. Do you misuse his name? Do you make promises and not keep them? What role does honesty play in your life? Are your words a blessing to the people around you? And what steps have you taken outside of Sunday morning to make that reality for you? The Sabbath, we talked about two weeks ago. Having rest in your life. Is your life full of busyness? In fact, so full of busyness that you hardly have time to think about God? What steps have you taken to make room in your life? If all you do is work and do things constantly, that is a primary strategy of Satan to drive God out of your life. You must have space or you will never know him. And so today we come to this fifth commandment. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. And this is what it says. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. You might be surprised how much can be drawn out of just this one verse. Let me make a couple of points. First, notice that the commandment is not saying that you need to obey your parents. It is not saying that you need to obey them. The Bible does say that to children in a number of places, but it does not say that to adults. In fact, this commandment is saying, honor your parents or respect them, and this is a condition of your heart. It will certainly affect what you do toward your parents if they are still living, but it is a condition of your heart not something uh, that you have to do outwardly. Honor your parents. And the reason it's honor your parents and not obey is that the commandment is not actually addressed to children. It is addressed to adults. Remember the story and where we're at, right? We are at Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up on Mount Sinai burning fire, This is just after the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've gone through the Red Sea. They've seen God destroy the Egyptian army. They are praising God and also a little bit terrified of him, as they should be, as we should be. And Moses has gone up onto Mount Sinai, and he brings these commandments down, and he presents them to the people of Israel. And we can see from the way that these commandments are that they are not for children. 
Well, primarily they are not for children. It was addressed to all the people, but some of these commandments would be very difficult for children even to understand, and some of them clearly, like the commandments not to murder, not to commit adultery, these commandments are for adults. And so is the fifth commandment. You must honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It is also the only commandment that has a promise attached to it. And the promise is much more than just saying that you will live a long life if you honor your parents. Although, in general, as a rule of thumb, that will be one of the results. The verse, the parallel verse in the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5 adds an extra phrase. It says you will live a long and successful or abundant life if you honor your parents. And what this is saying is that if you have this condition of soul in your heart that you truly respect and honor your parents, it will straighten you out. It will put your soul into the right condition and it will help you to have a truly good life on the inside. Honoring your parents is not actually first for them but for your relationship with God, for your health, for the health of your soul, it is extremely important. So why is it that honoring your parents is so important? Uh, at this point, uh, I want to put up a little picture of my family. Can you see that? This is uh, some of my extended family, my dad's family, actually back in the early 1960s in Burbank, California. And my dad is the oldest son in the center, kind of behind the father, my grandfather, in the picture. And the only thing that I want to point out from this picture is just that I look a lot like my dad. And as you all know, I didn't put up a picture of my kids, but you know, I, I, my kids look a lot like me, right? And this is an illustration of the way that we are deeply connected to our parents. We're deeply connected to them, of course, biologically. We look like them in many cases. But much more than that, we are deeply connected to them in spiritual ways that we cannot fully explain. I think all of you will find this true if you consider your life, your history, and the history of your family very deeply. When I look at the history of my family, especially this side, I see in my grandfather's life, especially, many parallels to my own life. He started out life with some of the same anti-Christian thoughts that I had. He became a Christian about the same time that I did. He had the same number of kids that I did. He lived his life in a lot of ways the same way that I have, without trying to follow him. Again, parallels between my, his life, the life of my dad and my own life, things that problems that were in my dad's life that I have had to overcome in my own life in a different way. There are deep spiritual connections between, well, really all human beings, but especially between those who are closest to us, especially between us and our parents and our children. And we cannot escape those connections. And if we look at the Bible as a whole, we see that there is the Bible draws this very close connection between 
parents and children, between father and son, between mother and daughter. The Bible draws such a close connection, actually, that when it wants to describe how Jesus is exactly like God, how he is so closely connected to God that it's, it's almost as if they're the same. In fact, they are the same, even though they're different. The Bible says Jesus is God's son. God is his father. This is a way that the Bible uses to describe the incredibly deep, unbreakable connection between Jesus and God the Father. And it shows us this same thing again, that we cannot escape the connection between us and our parents, between us and our children. It is incredibly deep. There is an element of identity in the connection. And so, if you, in your deepest self, not just in your actions, but in your deepest self, are at war with your parents, if you don't actually respect them, if you don't think that their life, if you can't see the good that God put into their lives and be grateful to God for their life, you will actually be, in your deepest self, at war with yourself. You will not be able to fully thank God, to fully love who he made you to be, until you are fully grateful for who he made your parents to be. Even deeper than that, the reason that it's so important to honor our parents for the health of our own souls is that personal relationship, the relationship between human beings, and especially our deepest relationships, is actually the foundation of reality. This is kind of a big statement. But personal relationship is actually the basis of everything else that exists. Think about it. God is what, says the Apostle John? Love. God is love. God himself exists one God in three persons, all in a relationship of deep and intense love with each other. That is what created everything else. How is it that God created the world? We sang songs today about the only one who makes the moon reflect the sun. How is it? What is the power that allows God to make the moon reflect the sun? It's not just some sort of magic that he has. It is actually love, is the power that he has that enables him to create everything and do all things. And so the very basis, what reality constructs itself around, is personal relationship and love. And so if that place in your soul, that deepest relationship that you had from the moment you came into this world, your relationship with your parents, if that is broken, if it is not right, you will never be fully okay. Now remember also that this is the fifth commandment. It's not the first one. It's not actually where we begin. Because you won't be able to do it. You won't be able to really accomplish honoring, respecting your parents from the deepest part of you without the constant, the constant help of the Holy Spirit, without God himself doing a work in you. But you also have to do your part. 
In order to make this happen, so if I've convinced you today or I convinced you five months ago when we said this sermon the first time, if I've convinced you that you genuinely need to honor your parents from your heart and you know that that's not actually true of you, what can you do? You need to take action. That's the first thing. You will need to actually do something. God, this is the same in any kind of growth that you have in Christ any way that you can become more like Christ, God has provided everything you need. He has provided all the power that's necessary in Christ, but you have to go and take hold of it. You will have to try. You will have to do it and put it into practice. You won't accidentally drift into a state of truly honoring your parents. It won't happen by accident. I'd also like to say that as you do, as you move toward honoring your parents, recognize that it's not about something that they need to change. If your parents are still alive and you have a frustrated relationship with them, actually like most people on the earth, have a broken, frustrated relationship deep down with their parents. It's not about something that they need to change. Honoring them is a state of your own soul and can be accomplished regardless of what your parents do, even if they are the worst parents in the world, which they probably aren't. What you need to do is be honest about who your parents really are and focus on the good that God has put into their lives. Ask God to show you what that good is. And then you need to come to the place where you believe it and are thankful for who God made them to be. God will lead you in this. He will show you the way to grow in this area. Pray to God. Pray for your parents if they are still alive on this earth. Seek God and ask him to show you how you can honor them truly, what you need to do as your part. So now... We've come to the end of another sermon. How many sermons have you heard in your life, I wonder? We've come to the end of another sermon, and the question is, what will you do with what God has spoken to you today? Not necessarily with what I have said, but with what God has spoken to you today. He is really here, and he is really speaking to you. The question is, do you have ears to hear what he has said? And do you have the will to go and put it into practice in your life? That's the test. The test isn't on Sunday morning. The test isn't to be able to say what the sermon was. The test is, will you go and put it into practice in your life? I've given you a number of tools if you want to use them. There was a space for notes. On that insert, you can write down what God has said. There's some discussion questions in there that you can use to help you think about what God is speaking to you today. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, it is our great desire to know you more to become people who love you with our whole heart, our whole mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. God, we have seen a little bit of who Jesus is, the greatest 
most astonishing human being who has ever lived on the earth. And as we see him, we love him, and we want to become more like him. God, we ask for your help. Give us the will and the desire to grow in Christ above everything else. Help us not to be distracted by this world. Help us to go and do it and seek you with everything that we are. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.